through Psalm 117. Start with our summary statement for this psalm. Psalm 117 calls all nations to praise the Lord. Because he has kept his covenant promises to Israel. Go over that one more time. Psalm 117 calls all nations to praise the Lord because he has kept. His covenant promises to Israel. I did spend a long time trying to come up with an outline um, for this psalm. And so I settled for an outline of two parts. Verse 1, call to praise. Verse 2, reason to praise. And I'll go over that again. So verse 1, call to praise, and verse 2, reason to praise. All right, so we can go to our observations for Psalm 117. It is an anonymous psalm. You can see there there's no superscription or author attribution. Um, There's no musical direction that's given in this psalm. There's also no occasion that is given. Um, But much like the Hallelujah Psalms, as we have seen, it does envision this future call to all nations to praise Yahweh because he has fulfilled his covenant promises. Psalm 117 is categorized as a praise psalm, particularly it is a Hallelujah Psalm. um, And we can see... The conventions of a praise psalm, verse 1 has a call to praise, verse 2 has reasons to praise, and then actually the last line of the psalm at the end of verse 2 is a concluding call to praise, the hallelujah. Um, As far as the minor elements of this psalm, uh, it is prophetic predictive because it is looking forward um, to the fulfillment of those promises. Now, Psalm 117 is the seventh and the final hallelujah psalm. So that started with Psalm 111 and goes to Psalm 117. And all of those psalms, except for, I think, 114, has that word in it, hallelujah, which doesn't really occur that often in the psalms. Praise ye the Lord is usually how that it's translated. It is also the fifth of the Hallel Psalms. So the Hallel Psalms begin in Psalm 113 and go to Psalm 118. The Hallel is what is sung in connection with the Passover. So Psalms 113 and 114 were sung before the Passover meal. Uh, Psalms 115 to 118 were sung after the Passover meal. So Psalm 117 as a hallelujah psalm 
continues this unfolding praise from Psalm 110. And we've, we've talked about that, how that Psalm 110 just reaches this great um, crescendo, this great height um, in the Psalms with the coming of the man from God's right hand, David's Lord, um, to Zion. And then we have this group of hallelujah psalms um, that focus on the praise of that time. And so this, this psalm does continue. And so in Psalm 117, we can see that the nations have been conquered by the man from God's right hand, David's Lord, and the covenant promises to Israel fulfilled. And we'll talk about some of those details as we, as we go through the psalm. But that's what we can see in the psalm. And it does have connections um, with Psalm 2, um, the mention of the nations in particular, um, and also has a number of connections with like the Book 4 psalm, Psalms 90 to 106, as you have themes of lordship over all the earth and everlasting mercy and truth and, and things like that. So um, it's, uh, it obviously would have connections in a lot of ways with a lot of psalms, but those in particular. Now, the poetic features of Psalm 117, I, I, I guess probably the primary one would be brevity. Um, and uh, another would be repetition. So when you look at the, at the, at the lines, they're, they're sort of parallels. They're not entirely synonymous. They're not repeating the same terms, but you, you've got lines that parallel down and then you get to the end, the praise ye the Lord. Um, I would say another feature of this psalm is what we might call intertextual in, um, dependency. And every word in this psalm, all 17 of them in the, in the Hebrew, every word of this psalm occurs elsewhere. And it, the other occurrences of these terms inform the meaning of this psalm. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a few minutes. All right, so um, we need to work our way through this psalm. Two verses. So if you're interested in um, trivia, it is the shortest psalm, and it is also the shortest chapter in the Bible. Um, I don't particularly like that uh, because psalms does not have chapters. It is a collection of of Psalms, but uh, it will it will work in a trivia challenge. It is the shortest chapter in the Bible, and I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think this actually might be right at about the very center of the Bible as well, as far as from Genesis to Revelation, about the midpoint of the Bible landing somewhere in here. But anyway, that's just some some trivial knowledge for you there. All right, so. Two verses here. Go ahead and read through this. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. So verse 1 gives us this opening call to praise. Oh, praise the Lord. And, I, and you can see praise is repeated um, several times in this psalm, even though it is a very short psalm. Now, the word for nations that is used, all ye nations, that is the word goyim, and oftentimes translated heathen, actually, in the, in the King James. But it is the word for nations, um, and generally 
refers to non-Israelite nations. Um, there's with it, which is rare exceptions, and there's reasons for those exceptions. But generally speaking, goyim it refers to non-Israelite nations. And then there's a different word that's used for people, and and this is plural, so it is peoples. Um, and this is actually different than the words we've encountered for for peoples, for the most part. This is the umim, which um, refers to uh, ethnic groups or people groups, and it's it's only you. This word's only used six times in the Old Testament, and four of those are in the Psalms. Um, I think you have two before this, this one, and then one after. Um, but it it is a very uncommon word. So he refers to nations, and he refers to all um, people groups. So they are they are somewhat synonymous, though each each term has a little bit of a of a different um, nuance to it. So this call to praise then is essentially going out to all the nations, to all the peoples of the earth. And then verse 2 gives reasons to praise. Now, we're told that his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. So these are the reasons for praise that were given. Now, merciful kindness is uh, a translation of the Hebrew term chesed. Um, so we've been paying attention to that. Truth is the Hebrew word emet, um, which refers to um, trustworthiness uh, is a good way to think of it. So both of these terms, chesed and emet, they are um, covenantal terms and especially when they're joined together, especially when they're used together. So the first time that they're used together, we find, is in the Pentateuch. So in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 27, when Abraham's servant is referring to God's actions toward Abraham, he uses these two terms um, describing him. In Genesis 32 and verse 10, Jacob is praying, and in his prayer, He's making reference to God's actions toward him and uses these two terms. And then in Exodus 34, 6, which is the last time that these two are used together in the Pentateuch, in Exodus 34, 6, when the Lord passed before Moses at Sinai in reference to his bringing Israel out of Egypt. So we can clearly see these references in in the Pentateuch, uh, these terms together, and seeing them in, in a covenantal um, a covenantal um, perspective. Now, the, these two terms occur together 15 times in the Psalms. And again, they, they maintain a, a covenantal reference. And so I'll give you uh, these references, and, and you may not be able to catch them all, and you can um, go back and, and get them if you can't. But uh, Psalm 25, verse 10, Psalm 26, verse 3, Psalm 40, and verse 10 and 11. Psalm 57, verses 3 and 10. Psalm 61, verse 7. Psalm 69, verse 13. Psalm 85, verse 10. Psalm 86, verse 15. Psalm 89, verse 14. Psalm 108, verse 4. Psalm 115, verse 1. Here in Psalm 117 and verse 2. And then in Psalm 138 and verse number 2. So obviously there's significance to these terms being used together. Now, what he says about the merciful kindness, and again, we've talked about how um, hesed is, is sort of difficult um, 
as I understand it, there's not really a, a single English equivalent to that term. Um, and so we get loving kindness, steadfast love, merciful kindness here. We, we get several different ways that, that it's translated trying to capture and express the meaning. But what is interesting is that it says that his merciful kindness is great toward us. And great toward is translating a word that actually means strength or to prevail. And in fact, the word occurs four times in the Psalms, in Psalm 12 and verse 4, in Psalm 65 and verse 3, and there it's translated prevail. And in Psalm 103 and verse 11, and here in Psalm 117 and verse 2, and in both those places it's translated great. But again, when you look at the context, the idea of prevailing um, is also present. So essentially this is a call to praise because God's chesed, his, his covenant mercy, and usually there's an implication of loyal love, um, loyal mercy. Um, God's chesed has prevailed. And so the implication of that is that it has, he has prevailed over the nations and for us. And so you get that word us there in verse number two. And who is the us? Well, the us is certainly Israel. Um, and this is a call to praise that comes from Israel. And, and this is obviously, this is again, this is thematic in, in the Hallelujah Psalms in particular. And so God's covenant faithfulness and his trustworthiness has prevailed through Israel to all nations. And then we're told that his trustworthiness endures forever. In other words, it never runs out. And then it ends with that call to praise, hallelujah, um, praise ye the Lord. And so it marks this as a part of this group. And this is this first hallelujah psalms group that we encounter in the last book, book five of the Psalms. All right, so let's go to interpretation. Well, obviously, Psalm 117 teaches Yahweh's lordship over all the earth, his lordship over all the nations. These, all these nations are being called to praise him. So when you think about this psalm, you can see how that it sort of follows that structure that you have in Psalm 2. So in the beginning of Psalm 2, verses two, verses 1 to 6 or so, the nations rebel against the Lord and against his anointed son, King. And by the end of that psalm, verses 10 to 12, the nations are subjected to him because he rules them with a rod of iron. And so what happens is in this future time at the coming of the Lord from, uh, from God's right hand, Every knee bows and every tongue confesses him Lord. And so this fulfills prophecy like in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23, uh, Isaiah 56 and verse 7, Romans chapter 14 and verse 11, Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 10. So this psalm envisions that future kingdom where all nations stream to Jerusalem and praise the king. This, this is, uh, you might call it a universal praise, uh, maybe better it would be put to be global praise. So this is all the nations on the earth that will be praising in that day. And so this um, is prophesied in places like Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, uh, Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. And we see it a number of times in 
the Psalms. So uh, we see it in Psalm, uh, Psalm 2, verse 8 to 12, Psalm 47, verse 9, Psalm 67, verse 2, Psalm 72 and verse 17, Psalm 102 and verse 15, and obviously in Psalm 110. Now, Paul quotes verse number 1 in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 11. And when you read that passage, that context in Romans, which it occurs in this, in this um, paragraph of, of verses 9 to 13 in Romans 15, and he's referring to God's promises to Israel that the root of Jesse will reign over the nations in his kingdom. And so they are called to praise. They will be praising. His coming is salvation for Israel and for the nations. And of course, in the context, Paul's talking about preaching the gospel of the Gentiles and, and, and so on. Psalm 117 teaches God's covenant faithfulness. So when you think about the Abrahamic covenant, for instance, God promised that, that he would make him, Abraham that is, make him a, a blessing and would bless all nations of the earth through him. And as you, as you go on, as we recently went through Genesis, we saw how that covenant promise um, was passed to Isaac, and then it was passed to Jacob, and, and then from Jacob now finally comes this promised nation, these tribes and nations through whom God is going to bless the earth, the, the nation of Israel. And if you think about the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7, Israel, is, it is promised to David that it's going to be through a son of David that the, Israel will be in the land and will be at peace with all the nations, which again, this coincides with this time of when all the nations are going to be going up to Jerusalem, will be worshiping the Lord, he will be praised over all of the earth, his glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and so on. So, when we think about the Messianic hope of Psalm 117, well, the Messianic hope is seen through the fulfillment of the covenant promises that realizes this vision of all nations praising the Lord. And that's essentially what the call is. Praise the Lord all nations because His, his covenant faithfulness and, and, and trustworthiness has prevailed toward us toward his people Israel. And that's what all of these hallelujah psalms are about, in particular the restoration of Israel. So when we think about, again, those terms, chesed and imet, um, we see the New Testament equivalent, grace and truth. Grace and truth. In the Old Testament, it's generally most often translated mercy and some maybe some adjectives with mercy, but mercy and truth. Grace and truth in the New Testament. So in John chapter 1 and verse 14, Jesus became flesh, and we're told how that he was full of grace and truth. He is the very embodiment of God's chesed and emet toward his people Israel and through them to all nations. So Jesus is the man from God's right hand who comes to reign in Zion um, over the nations from Psalm 110. And so we get this, this praise now of all the nations praising him, uh, echoing psalms like Psalm 24, Psalm 67, Psalms 95 and 96, Psalm 100, and, and there's other places as well. 
All right, so we'll go to application. I have two of these. What, what does a psalm like this say to us as, as modern readers? Well, number one, understanding Psalm 117 helps us understand how to read the Bible. So here's a, here's a psalm that consists of 17 words in, in the Hebrew. Um, essentially two verses, which they weren't numbered in, in verses when they were originally written, but, but it, it falls into about two verses of what we might think of as a poem. You might add a third if you wanted to separate that. Praise ye the Lord. But nevertheless, 17 words in Hebrew. And all of these words that are used here occur in other places, in the Psalms and, and other places in the Old Testament. So think about this for a moment. If you take Psalm 117 and you just extract it and you just set it over here by itself, completely isolated from everything else in the Bible, then the meaning of this psalm is unintelligible. Praise, well, we might have some knowledge of praise and and be able to understand that, but who's the Lord? Who's Yahweh? I mean, we're separating this from the rest of the Bible. Who, who's Yahweh? What, what is, who, you know, these, all these nations, we probably could understand that. You know, Yahweh's chesed, how, how are we to understand that? Who's the us? And the truth of the Lord endureth forever and so on. I mean, just saying, you, you take this away, and the meaning of it is just unintelligible. However, if you read this psalm, in the flow of the Psalms and the rest of the Old Testament in particular, then you can see that Psalm 117 is actually a very rich, though very concise statement of praise for his future fulfillment of all of his covenant promises. So when you read these things in, in the connections that they share and that they bear and and where they occur, we, the, the psalm, the arrangement of the psalms, uh, they are arranged in, in, a, in a more thematic way. They're not chronological. They're not uh, grouped by author. They're, they're not really grouped by subject or, or anything, but they are arranged in a thematic way, and there is a flow from the, from the beginning of the psalms to the end. So when you read this in, in that flow, then you see just how rich and concise this particular psalm is. So... Um, I just thought that would be a, uh, certainly be a good place to illustrate um, with a psalm like this, because again, if you just separate it from all the other psalms or you just separate it from the Old Testament, you just want to take it as some sort of general statement. It's just the meaning is unintelligible. and it just, it, In fact, it just seems to make a general statement that doesn't really say much, but rather this psalm is, is actually very rich. All right, so number two. Understanding Psalm 117 helps us understand to trust and wait on the Lord. And we've had this application numerous times. Really just about every psalm could probably give us this application. But in this particular psalm, you're reading about how Israel, this in the future, this restored Israel, is calling out to all the nations of the earth. Praise the Lord. Why? Why should we praise the Lord? Praise the Lord because his covenant faithfulness has prevailed over all 
to us. His promises have been kept. They've been fulfilled. So we're told that he is faithful. In other words, he prevails in his faithfulness, even over our own failures of faith and our own reluctance to obey. I mean, if, if human beings could mess up God's will, God's plan, God's purpose, we certainly would have done so many, many, many times before now. But nevertheless, he has prevailed overall to keep his covenant promises. And then last of all, his trustworthiness, we're told here it endures forever. So that means it never ends. It never runs out. It, it never expires. God is always able and willing to do what he has promised to do. Like that never changes and he will keep all of his promises all right that's psalm 117 any questions on this psalm or anything we talked about here tonight And that is, that is the idea, you know, that is the idea of the, of the psalm, you know, that it has prevailed overall. And it's, and the word, you know, it has the idea of being strong and mighty and, and overcoming and prevailing and, and all of those sort of things. And that does, it does give a little bit different dimension to what this psalm is saying because it's easy to look at it and say, well, it's great. And, you know, and it is great, but, you know, there's something more, um, specific being said. Right. It is a short psalm. So you're going to get out early. So remember this in a couple of weeks. We'll just bank that time. <laughs> <laughs> 